We're recording, dude. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> now we don't know what to say. Uh, yeah, no. I, I think what we should say is that you're listening to the Gate Crasher podcast. Let me do that again. There you go. <laughs> you're listening to the Gate Crasher podcast. I am David, he, him. And I'm Kenny, he, him, and this episode is episode zero of the podcast, and this isn't going to be the normal format, but we just wanted to talk about uh, who we are, what we're trying to accomplish here, and what this hobby is to us. So uh, first, I kind of want to do kick it off to David, I, and we talked about stealing this segment from another show. What Do you know what yeah. show it was? Oh, yeah. Shout out to the Grognard Files um, there we go. for introducing me to this segment. I'm not sure if it was original to them either. So we're, uh, we're just paying it forward. That's right. Traveling um, segment. Yeah. But it's called First, Last and Everything. Yeah. So the First, Last and Everything, I think we're going to we're going to start with RPGs and then we're going to do war games and we're going to talk about all these things, obviously. Plus, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about board games and stuff like that too. But yeah. first, last, and everything. So your first role playing game, your last, the last role playing game you played, and then the everything. Uh, David, I I, I want to hear because this is this is going to be fun for me to listen to. I think so. Uh, well, I want to start for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're gonna, we're going to get in some deep lore. You know, I was there when <laughs> exactly. Do not cite the ancient magics to me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> No, I really wasn't. Actually, I still I still feel like a, a you know a kid sometimes because I was not around for like the quote unquote golden age of, of role playing games. You know, mm. like the Stranger Things generation. Oh, right. Uh, the, the initial kind of big D and D fad that, that swept the country in the eighties. Uh, in fact, and this is this is a recurring theme in my life. Like I got into RPGs right as they were like apparently about to die the first time around. You know, like when the <laughs> when the industry was like starting to like go under a little bit um, and got sort of rescued by Magic: The Gathering and Vampire: The Masquerade. Oh. No, when I got into RPGs, they were definitely very uncool. Uh, and um, and my first was, of course, the Dungeons and Dragons basic set. Which, for those who know their, you know, edition lore, is the 1983 mm. uh, box set with the classic Larry Elmore cover of the fighter taking a swipe at the dragon and or offering to give him a free teeth cleaning. It's kind of unfair. <laughs> classic. Uh, <laughs> Good, great cover, by the way, of course. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it that the, the cover and then the whole book is, you know, fully illustrated by Elmore and, and Jeff Easley. <laughs> that cemented my my love of their work even though you know i could we should do an art episode actually because oh, i have yeah. a lot of opinions oh yeah we will we will okay anyway so point of fact is that i think that was maybe the last year that that box was actually being published it was right before tsr switched to a, what's called the black box which was you know kind of a more board gamey uh hmm. take on basic DD. it came with like a, a map and tokens and stuff interesting yeah, and um, and yeah, I was an autodidact when it came to gaming. I didn't know anybody who games. A friend thought I was into D&D and had give, given me the expert set first because he assumed I had the basic set. And that's kind of what, you know, <laughs> led me into D&D. But I guess, you know, actually, actually, I'm going to walk this back a little bit because oh. it's arguable that my first was the Lone Wolf game um. book series. Right. But I'm going to talk about that 
in a minute when I get to my last. Ooh, oh, <laughs> now we're talking. Yeah. So yeah, no, I, I I taught myself how to how to play and run role playing games, um, and it was largely on the back of that basic set because it was it was geared towards that. It had a tutorial solo adventure, and it was very handholdy. You know, like this mm-hmm. is how you make a dungeon, kids. You know, and it was actually perfect. It was what I needed. So yeah, that was my first. Um, I didn't. I never actually played basic D anD D though. Um, wow. Yeah. No, because I started buying Dragon Magazine back issues and all the articles were about advanced D&D. And I'm like, well, shoot, you know, maybe this is what everybody plays. And so we moved, actually. We moved before I could get a game group together. And so I'm just like, all right, well, you know, in this new school I'm going to, I'm going to come prepared. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going (laughs) to pick up AD&D, which, of course, at that point was second edition, the redheaded stepchild of all D&D editions. So, again, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my uh, my luck persisted but anyway so my first very similar story honestly um although i was a freshman in high school so this was probably like 2002 or something like that and uh i had a neighbor and we had had no idea we didn't know anybody who played D. and this was the early 2000s so third 3.5 had just come out or something like that and um we were like dude we should just start playing D. Like, you know, this is before YouTube, really. Um, we didn't know where to go to find any information about this stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, we went to Borders. We bought the 3.5 uh, box set with the gorgeous, like, Black Dragon cover from Wayne Reynolds. Yeah, we took it home and we were like, well, I guess somebody has to be like the dungeon master. And I was like, well, I'll do it. And, you know, I've been in the driver's seat ever since, pretty much. Uh, Until I met you, at least. (laughs) Um, Yeah. After that, it was like D&D full blast. I mean, there were full summers, you know, where we would be playing D&D all night, every night, sitting in like my dad's attic. Like, I say my dad's attic, like that was his office. So I would just like sit up there and uh, go through the books Mm. and be like, oh Mm. man, I can buy an airship for 10,000 gold. And like, (laughs) it was just like... Yeah. yeah, and it was just like so I think what hooked me on it was the thought I don't know, for some reason it's very it's very easy for me to just like cast my mind into those kinds of things and like grasp them as like tangible real goals that I can achieve. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. It, it's very weird because I'm like I don't have this imaginary thing, but if I can get 10,000 imaginary other things, I could buy this imaginary thing. But like my brain doesn't register them as imaginary. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And that's like the magic, I think, of of role playing games for me. Yeah, no, I mean, Um, I I realized in retrospect not too long ago that like when I bought that basic set, like, yeah, I didn't know anybody, but it didn't really occur to me that like that meant I was going to have to take the lead and run the games. I fully (laughs) was like, dude, I want to be I want to do I want to make a fighter and I want to like, you know, get a dragon eventually because I read the the (laughs) bit about how you could do subdual damage. And if you if you reduce a dragon to zero hit points using only subdual damage, then it becomes your like pet, basically. Whoa. Um, so I was like, I'm so going to do that. I'm so going to have a dragon uh, riding fighter. Still have not to this day had a dragon riding fighter. <laughs> one day, one day, one dude. Day. <laughs> one day. But yeah, I, I fully, you know, it's exactly the same. I would pour over the equipment lists, you know, and like, yeah, I mean, it, it is real. Yeah. Actually, it's funny you mentioned that. Um, 
We should probably said at the top of this that, um, you know, we both have attention deficit issues, so we're going to just be all over the place right, here. Yeah, um, true, but... true. I'm Kenny, ADHD. That's right. That's my pronouns. <laughs> really interesting point I heard just the other day was in terms of like how people tend to dismiss dreams or like realms of the imagination as, as saying like, oh, well, you know, it was just a dream, right? Or, oh, it was, it was just sleep paralysis or whatever, right? <laughs> like, you know, like as if that makes it not real. And what the person said was like, basically, like, imagine if you got into a car accident and you told somebody about it and they go, oh, well, that's just reality. That's just the real world. <laughs> right. It's like it's the same thing. You know, it's like it's like these things aren't any more or less valid because they occur in one frame than the other. That's, you know? that's like, very true. It, you know, imagine, right? you know, how many times have you like had a dream or or your significant other has had a dream where like you cheated on them mm -hmm. and then they wake up mad at you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or, or 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 they yell at you. And you're like, you, you wake up feeling betrayed right. you know, and, and you feel that way the rest of the day. Yeah. Like you have to like actually work on forgiveness for something they didn't even right. do. You know, like, it's funny. I've, it's I've never placed role playing games in that same category, but I guess they do. Maybe that's a future episode because <laughs> I could see us going down. A, that's, oh, we have to yeah, do that. Yeah. yeah. Realms, realms of the unreal. You Ooh, know, now we're OK. All right. All right. I'm taking notes. Yeah. Take notes. <laughs> All right. So that's how we both got. That was our first. So, David, I want to yes. know. I want to know your last. I want to know the last role playing game that you have played. Like I said, um, I think for my last, I'm actually going to cheat a little bit and say, because it's not technically a role playing game. But for my last, I literally yesterday while I was sitting at the car dealership waiting for my car to get serviced, <laughs> I cracked open Lone Wolf Book One Flight from the Dark. <laughs> Uh, which I recently received in its definitive edition. Ooh, I love those words. <laughs> I know, right? It's it's like, I, this is such like a, a, a midlife kind of thing to do. It's like, oh, these things that meant a lot to me when I was like 10 and 11 years old, I'm now going to repurchase for like $35 in this premium hardback <laughs> edition with like ribbons and, and like, a, you know, dust jacket totally. and shit, right? You know, like... <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I mean, that was legitimately kind of how I got started in, in tabletop was I, of course, played choose your own adventure books because I was a kid in the 80s and then um, saw this book on the shelf at like a mall bookstore that was like, oh, it's like a choose your own adventure book. But there's like, you know, you make a character and then there's like game mechanics in this thing, you know, now, like, yeah, they're super simple, you know, but it's still like there's combat, you know, you don't know how it's going to go. Right. You're tracking hip, you know, you're tracking endurance mm -hmm. points. You're picking up items, you know, to use later. And the cool thing, I, like I started with book nine, but I very quickly realized like the cool thing about those books is like if you re read them in sequence, it is like a continuous narrative. You might pick up an item in book three that you don't end up using until book six. Whoa. You know. Okay. You're like if you if you possess the blue crystal pyramid, turn to page, you know, turn to 197. You know, it's like, oh shit. <laughs> like I do. <laughs> I got that like three books ago. <laughs> like what the hell? And like and like starting with the later books and like not having those items was always like killed me. You right. Know? <laughs> like <laughs> Blue Crystal Pyramid? What? Where, where do you get that? You know, like I I played through this book ten times, I haven't found the pyramid. <laughs> oh, it's <been> <laughs> Anyway, so um, yeah, so it was it was kind of RPG training wheels in a way, especially since like I was getting into it. I was like super like super enmeshed with these books. And then like a friend at school was like, hey, what are you reading? And I was like, oh, it's this really cool thing. 
And then he's like, well, could you read that to me at lunch? And I'm like, yeah. So like I basically GM'd him through these books. Wow. You know, I would read the book out loud to him and then he would choose. He would make the choices. He would like pick the number from the random number table, which is what you used instead of a D10. Right. You know, you would just clo- close your eyes and drop your pencil onto this grid <laughs> that had a bunch of numbers on it. Right. So he would pick the numbers if, when you had like in combat or for, you know, feats or whatever. Yeah. And so like, you know, it kind of like it just normalized that behavior of like, you know, talking to somebody in second person narration. Right. <laughs> and, right. Uh, yeah. Super weird. I don't know. I mean, I, I you know, this was almost eh, four decades. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so I don't remember if I did voices or if I was like kind of selling the the prose, sure. you know, uh, or if I was just reading it out. I have no idea. But like it did get me into this this headspace. Right. 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 So, yeah. And and also just the world building, because like the Lone Wolf books actually did come out of the author Joe Deaver's um, home game, his his AD&D home game. Mm, wow. He had created this this fantasy world and he just, you know, took everything he made. And, and like the it's also like 80s British fantasy, which I love. That's another one. We, that's another topic. 80s British fantasy. <laughs> Why is it so cool? Yeah. Uh, but it's like this great sort of like mashup of like Tolkien, Star Wars and like Cold War paranoia. Amazing. You know? Like that's the vibe of the setting. Ugh. Right. And so and he's a great, you know, he's a great pro stylist. Like I definitely to this day probably have some ticks in my writing that I got from reading the Lone Wolf books, <laughs> you know, uh, and in my GMing as well, like the way I describe things. So uh, for those of you. Who know what I'm talking about? I recommend checking out the definitive editions, especially the the first one, because they actually expanded it. It's like twice the length of what it used to be. Wow! They added a bunch of like new material uh, because, like, a lot of like first books in a series, it's kind of the originals, like, kind of still finding itself and like figuring out what it wants to be like, you know. And so it's it's actually kind of this weirdly um, prosaic uh, introduction to what turns out to be this sort of epic fantasy. Wow. And so they've gone back and they've added some stuff that just kind of makes you a bit more of a hero in the Mm -hmm. book and, you know, gives you a little bit more of the world. Because in the original, it's literally you're just like on the run trying to survive. And so in the in the new one, they're kind of giving you some prelude material and some additional kind of interesting. So that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. I kind of I'll, dude I, I'll, I'll lend you the book if you want to check I was it gonna out say, like, <laughs> yeah it's it's fun okay I'll read it to you at, at, on our lunch hour I'll read it to you oh dude <laughs> you have no idea how much I would love that <laughs> just every day at tour right. and just like hey man alright let's go <laughs> oh my god well okay we're, now we're getting into definitions of what does it mean to play a role playing game Oh, shit. All right. Yeah. I don't know, because today, so this morning, I uh, well, I mean, I did that Vossen stream from Free League Publishing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's, I didn't run it for anybody. I was just looking at the game um, and kind of talking mm-hmm. about it and, mm-hmm. and refreshing myself on that kind of thing. But the last role-playing game that I, like, sat down to play was probably Pendragon when me and you were working on the sixth edition of Pendragon, which you are the line editor for. <laughs> I don't want to throw you under the bus like that. I'll be getting into that momentarily with my everything. Yeah, so, that's yeah. your everything. Yeah. So let's just take it from there. What is your everything, <laughs> David? Is it Pendragon? It is indeed. Although I do want to say in terms of like what constitutes play, I feel like, I mean, 
you know, I didn't say, but like, it took me like two and a half years once I got that D&D box set to actually get a, a regular group together. And when I say group, it was like literally just me and my friend right, Alex, yeah. you know, like for another two years before we found some other people to play with. So like, you know, but like, yeah, for the first two and a half, three years of my hobby, it was literally, literally just me and like buying games and reading them and like making characters and making worlds and dungeons and stuff like that, right? So I think that's play. I think, that's I think play. it counts. It counts as play. I mean, you know, even just in your stream today, we coined, uh, you know, Professor Halbert and the Elf Milf. True. You know, like, I mean, 100%. <laughs> that's something that could come out during a game Is session. It? Well, yeah, you know? I mean, like, Professor Halbert, that's amazing. That's just good quality content right there. <laughs> that's that, that went in the files for later years. <laughs> really did. Sure. Like, I don't know what game would have a character named Professor Halbert, but I want to play it. <laughs> Any <you know>? game. I <laughs> did. So, so what makes Pendragon your everything? So what makes Pendragon my everything is partly because it is my my day job. <laughs> um, yeah, so full disclosure, um, I do work for Chaosium as the line editor for the Pendragon role-playing game. I have worked on other projects for them. I wrote Berlin the Wicked City for Call of Cthulhu. Mm. I have other things coming out um, for Call of Cthulhu and RuneQuest. So, um, you know... My presence on this show, you know, just has the blanket disclaimer of like, I do not represent the company in any way, shape or form. These are all my personal opinions. That being said, I am going to obviously have a bias towards Chaosium products. So, <laughs> you know, um, just because I like them. Yeah. I mean, I legitimately, you know, obviously I wouldn't work for the company if I didn't like their games. So um, that's that's that. But especially when it comes to Pendragon, that is my everything. And it's my everything because, um, you know, even back before I got into gaming, I loved medieval stuff. I love medieval flavored fantasy. And by that, I mean like really, like truly medieval flavored, you know, like, you know, fairy tales and, and um, kind of golden age of, of kids books, like Arthur Rackham illustrations and that kind yeah. of thing, you know. And uh, I just love that imagery, you know, the imagery of the knights and castles and ladies and all that good yeah. stuff. You know, I mean, it was just like it was it was my jam. And so, you know, and like a lot of people, um, you know, when I got into D&D, I kind of put a medieval label on it. Like, oh, this is medieval fantasy. This is another topic for the future. <laughs> why D&D is not medieval fantasy. Right. Correct. Yes. Um, which is fine. You know, it has its own wheelhouse. Yeah. And that's I think. Personally, I think that's why Planescape is one of the best D&D settings ever, because it's not even pretending to be medieval fantasy. It's just like, this is just wild, out there, gonzo fantasy, like where you're like in this city that has doors to literally every plane of existence that's ever existed. And, and that's you know? where D&D should be, right? D&D mm -hmm. just should be that. Yeah. But it's not. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> But at the same time, you know, what I really wanted was, yeah, like kind of a fantasy world with medieval trappings, low magic, mm -hmm. you know, like magic's rare and, and awe-inspiring. It's not mechanistic, you know. And I discovered Pendragon through a review in Dragon Magazine where the, the reviewer, very intentionally in retrospect, basically was reviewing a, a supplement for the game, but used that as a springboard to basically sell the game itself, mm. right? By talking about how awesome it was, right? Oh, yeah. And I was just like, oh, yes. <laughs> like, this is what I need in my life. <laughs> so I eventually picked it up. And then, of course, you know, it took me 
a while after that to get it to the table, et cetera, et cetera. But once I started running it, I mean, I've, I've run Pendragon uh, consistently as in, you know, at least uh, at least a little bit every year, if not like full campaigns. Yeah, for for almost 20 years. Wow. 17 years. And that's yeah. huge. Yeah, it is. And um, and so, you know, I just I we can talk later about how I ended up, you know, if we want to do a, a thing about like working in the game industry. Yeah. You know, like I, I would definitely give my insights into what I did and what my process was, which, you know, I'm sorry to say did involve a lot of luck and chance, you know, uh, like I don't have a formula, you know, right. I, like- <laughs> I, I think a lot of getting into those kind of gigs really is luck and chance a lot of it luck and chance yeah. but like a good also a good chunk of networking you know like yeah yeah if you're yeah. if you're networking with people who are doing the kind of thing you want to do i don't think it matters about role-playing games like if you're networking with with yeah. people who are in the field that you want to be in eventually there's going to be some kind of opportunity where somebody's moving along somebody you know somebody has a gap that they need to fill and you just got to be the one there you know yeah it really is and networking's key but anyway that's a whole other topic so yeah. um yeah i don't know i mean you know there's well you know we can talk more about pendragon and, and why it's awesome why it's the best role-playing game ever written definitely but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah I, I guess i guess just for now i would say that the reason why pendragon is my everything and the reason why it's my profession right now at the moment is that that is the one game that I can always rely on to deliver like the moments that stick with you. Speaking of like, you know, the realm of the unreal and everything deliver those unreal moments that stick with you as if they really happened for years afterwards. Right. You know, I I mean, it's just, you know, all, all role-playing games are capable of that and that's great. But like, there's just a way there's that uh, synthesis of the setting and the mechanics in Pendragon that generate that, almost on a session by session basis. Yeah. I mean, not having a ton of experience with Pendragon myself, just really what you've run for me, which has been like five or six sessions. I mean, the system Mm -hmm. is elegant and you're right. I mean, it delivers, it delivers on the kind of impactful moments that you're going to remember for a long, long time. So I'm really curious to hear what your everything is because I don't think I know. (laughs) Dude, I, so I knew this question was coming, obviously. (laughs) And I've been dreading it. <laughs> uh, in fact, I'm literally just like looking at a folder of role-playing games to be like, which one is my favorite? And it can be your everything like today. <sighs> you know, it can it can change. That's true. It's okay if you say D and D. Oh you God, know, I won't judge you. <laughs> <laughs> we may rip on D and D occasionally. Uh, Maybe every episode, but it, it, uh, we're not, we're not D and D shaming anybody. It's just our, it's just our opinion, man. And in fact, you know, this is an anchor podcast. So we want people to like call in and give us their thoughts. You know, like if you want to like, you know, read us for filth about our views on D and D, please do so. Yeah, I agree. I will take whatever beratement you guys can offer when it comes to (laughs) D and D opinions. Um, that, well, you know, this is the thing. D&D is obviously the top dog. There's like all the data mm-hmm. in the world supports it. When you're the top dog, sometimes you need to get torn down a little bit, you know? Um, 
So, okay, so this is probably what I would say as my everything. If somebody, Mm -hmm. okay, I'll put it this way. If somebody was like, Kenny, you can only run one role-playing game for the rest of your life, what would it be? Mm -hmm. I would would have to choose one out of two, I think. Both of which are... Oh my god! I have so I I'm so careful about what I have to say right now. <laughs> you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I don't want to hurt my own feelings because I will go. <laughs> I will 100 go back and listen to this and be like, oh, I should have said this. So I'll say this: At the last, I'll say the last like five years, I have I ran one system for almost a mm. year. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we played for like 10 months and it was Forbidden Lands from Free League Publishing. I think yeah. Forbidden Lands is just an incredible, uh, like you were saying, like it it delivers the kind of experience that you want to have at the table. For me, yeah. Forbidden Lands is, supplies that. It is the it is the shadowy version of Middle Earth. It's it's mm. I say dark and gritty, but what I really mean by that is that there's like consequences, and it's the game is lethal. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of the yeah. freely games they have this really eloquent mechanic where like you're you're as you're taking damage, your dice pools get lower and lower. And so you become gradually mm. worse at doing everything because you're exhausted, mm-hmm. because you're bleeding, because your hand just got chopped off, you know, all this stuff. Uh, so yeah. and for the fact that uh, when I Forbidden Lands is a hex crawler by design. Mm. So mm. like it comes with a huge map with all the hexes on it. It's got stickers where you can put stuff on there. So the journey mm. and exploring is super important and just uh, really going in with like zero prep. Like you don't really have to prep for Forbidden Lands, even if you're running the big campaigns, um, mm. which is great. So very, that is great. very, yeah. very easy yeah. mode for GMs and uh, players tend to like it. And um, I like, I like just running those kind of hex crawly dungeon crawler kind of uh, fantasy games where it's pretty low fantasy. Magic is dangerous, like you were saying, uh, with Pendragon. Mm-hmm. Uh, although, mm-hmm. you know, awe-inspiring for Pendragon. You know, potentially lethal to the caster for Forbidden Lands. Um, uh, right, So right. that kind right. of thing. I, I really enjoy... So yeah, I really enjoy that. My my second my second if i was going with free league it might it might be the alien rpg because it's brilliant but i think my really yeah it's in, it's incredible we'll, we'll talk about it but i think my second if somebody was like all right kenny you can like you're not running this game you're playing it you can only play this game for the rest of your life i would honestly probably pick call of cthulhu yeah i mean that that would have been my pick as well if not for pendragon you know right I mean, it was such a close second for it me, really is you know and, and it's definitely the game i've been playing long you know almost as long as i've been in the hobby right you know? yeah it's like that was my first chaosium game and, and my first horror game and yeah it's so good i agree the yeah because the horror for call of cthulhu is so i don't know it's um this is the this is the kind of example that i typically give people who have lived their role playing lives in the fantasy realm in D and all that kind of thing um i'm like okay i'm going to give you two examples you tell me the one which you are more easily empathetic with okay so the first <laughs> example is you are an ageless elf 
trudging the sewers beneath a, uh, a a village of dwarves, and you're looking for the invisible thief who's steal, stealing all the jewels, <laughs> right? Okay, right. <laughs> the second one is you're sitting at home alone by the fireplace reading your uncle's will, and the phone rings. <laughs> You know, like, <laughs> and you know, the second one, the second I'll choose one, the second one. Like, yeah. And I know I'm cherry picking the shit out of relatable. that. It's relatable. It is. It's relatable. It is relatable. You know, it we, is. Who among us have not been sitting next to the fireplace reading our uncle's <laughs> will and phone rings? I mean, and it's like, no, but we can picture that. We can we picture, can picture that moment. We can picture you know? that moment. Yeah. We don't have Easily. to worry about, and this is why, again, uh, well, we'll I'll be, I'm sure we'll be talking about it more, but why humans are the best race kin ancestry to play in any role-playing game. Uh, it's because mm-hmm. you can't relate to anything else. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but yeah, I think Call of Cthulhu, there's just something about it, dude. There's something about it. It It's lethal. It's... Um, I don't want to say it's low stakes, but it's like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're not always trying to save the world. Sometimes you're just like investigating right. some shitty backwater town. Yeah. And I grew up in Indiana where there's a ton of shitty backwater towns. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that kind of thing, again, is very relatable to me. And, you know, having weird experiences in those kind of towns and, you know, in the woods behind grandma's house and shit like that, like... Uh, so Call of Cthulhu reaches something uh, very deep and um, uh, visceral within me. And yeah, I think that's why if I could only play one game, it, 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 Call of Cthulhu is my everything. Yeah, I, I I think the other thing, too, with Call of Cthulhu is like if you could only play one game, that would be a choice for me as well, because like it's the basic role playing system, which is you can pretty much do anything with it. So yeah. if I just had like the Call of Cthulhu rule book, you know, with me. Um, that's fine because yeah. that's all I need. I can I can house rule the shit out of it, and I don't even need Cthulhu Mythos monsters in it. You know, right. I can just do whatever I want with it. Oh, right? dude. Like, I, I, w- yeah. I would love. But even if you're, yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say I would love to play a Call Cthulhu scenario where like there's no Mythos monsters. It's mm-hmm. just like yeah. it's just like dudes, you know, doing bad things. <laughs> Like it's being dudes. Right. I I really, you know, I mean, and we'll talk about this more, but uh, the reason I like aliens so much is is because I, I tend to go for this slow burn with horror and suspense and Mm -hmm. even fantasy. Mm -hmm. I really Mm -hmm. like the slow burn and, and building it up so that when it finally happens, it's like all inspiring. It's impactful. You remember it forever. You know, like the last I dude, I could tell you the number of times I've had a dragon in a Dungeons and Dragons game. I can is I can fit on one hand, you know, and and I've been playing. I've been playing for 20 years. Yeah. Um, So anyways. Yeah, that's so. So that's kind of like our role playing game opinions. And obviously we want to hear your guys's. So if you have, you know, I want to know our listeners first, last and everything. Uh, their yes. opinions on on role playing games because I, that's something I'm I'm interested in. Um, and obviously, if, if you've played something that I haven't, I want to know about it. Um, but yeah. David and I are also <laughs> yeah. Yeah. avid war gamers. So yes, we are. Um, I don't know that we need to go. I mean, we can we can keep it kind of brief or keep going or whatever because we're kind of coming up on time a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we thought this was going to be a shorter episode, but maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> hmm. Well, here we go. Uh, uh-huh. 
I, I don't think I'll have quite as much to say Same. with the wargaming stuff because it's pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. So let's just, yeah, let's dive in and see. And if you're listening to this, that means we decided not to cut it. That's right. So, <laughs> so and then uh, instead of alternating back and forth, I just want you to go first, last and everything. Perfect. All right. So, well, first of all, <laughs> I don't think it's going to take a while. Now, first of all, here's right. the preamble. Right. <laughs> so back in, uh, what mm. was it? <laughs> No, my my uh, my grognardy p- pretensions um, require me to to uh, you know be specific when we say war games. We're talking about miniatures war games, true, not true hex and chit war games. Yes, so, thank you. Which is my great white whale of, of gaming. But, you know, <laughs> that's another one. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, so yes, my first miniatures war game was Fantasy Warriors, uh, which was put out by an old miniatures company called Grenadier which some of you may remember. Mm-hmm. They were one of, one of the many that were driven to insolvency by Games Workshop. Um, God. But they were, I think they were like the first commercial uh, miniatures company. Like they did officially licensed AD&D miniatures and all this other stuff. And so they were like, hey, why don't we do this mass fantasy battle game where, you know, you can use any of our miniatures or any other miniature for that matter. Mm. That was their first mistake right yep yep right but it was basically warhammer fantasy battle it's just that um i think they actually beat games workshop to the punch and offering it as a box set with you know a hundred miniatures in it and all the you know all the material you needed so it was dwarves and orcs and the the plastic they were plastic cast oh, they wow. were horrible because it was 1990 mm-hmm. uh but you know there's a certain charm to them i suppose but like yeah that was my baptism by fire because i painted all 102 of those miniatures yeah, <laughs> over was the that? summer 102 yeah. and i love that you still know <laughs> yeah it was 51 51 on each side wow so. oh yeah i guess 50 infantry yeah. or cavalry or whatever and then one leader one general no oh really <laughs> oh wow it was, it, it was literally like um just three troop types in each side so it was like the orcs had spears swords and bows the dwarves had spears axes and crossbows okay and then um i don't know how we got the odd number in it but there were no like leader <laughs> characters oh, there weird. were no standard bearers there was no cavalry it was just literally six different castings huh and um and there was things that like in the rule book is like well, you can make a standard bearer by just taking a, a spearman and gluing a shield to the top of the ah. spear and painting the shield like it's a standard, you know. And then, uh, you know, you can you can differentiate your war leaders and your champions by you know painting them a little differently than how you're painting the rest of your infantry, you know, that kind of thing. Huh. So, yeah, but you know, it had the painting guide and it had the the rule book and all that stuff. And so, you know, when I did get into Games Workshop games. Um, later, it was all very familiar to me. Yeah, interesting. So, all right, so my last was um, a game I played against myself, which sounds <laughs> sad, but it was for it was for a good cause. Which was we call it lonely fun. We call it lonely fun, exactly. Well, it was over the holidays, and it was um, you know experimenting with making um, you know video right. after action reports so uh so yeah it was chain of command which is a world war ii skirmish game by two fat lardies which is definitely my favorite miniatures rules mm-hmm. publisher at the moment and reflects you know my interest in historical miniatures as well yeah chain of command is just a really fun game it's um 
like all the the lardies <laughs> rule sets um there's a lot of what they call friction built into the mechanics which is to say like unexpected things are going to get thrown up in your face and then you have to decide how to deal with it love that yeah and um and so yeah uh even playing against myself and trying to film a battle report by myself i still had a lot of fun it took me two nights to play it but you know wow it was good times so <laughs> in that battle report you can find on youtube um youtube.com forward slash Indeed. hey gm kenny for now uh but eventually moved over to youtube.com forward slash who knows get crasher podcast or something maybe yeah we're, we're we're working on a transmedia empire here so yeah we'll um, keep you all updated i'm sure now what is my everything see i knew i knew my answer for the rpgs right away but this is one where I, I am a little a little more stumped on this one because I do tend to be kind of a, a, a magpie when it comes to rules. Same. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even even now, like having just sung the praises of Chain of Command, I'm like seriously looking at like two other World War II skirmish <laughs> rules for like more YouTube content <laughs> in the future. Right. You know, like. Well, again, could, <laughs> like, like you told me, yeah, your everything could be your everything right now. your everything today right now yeah yeah no i think i have to go for nostalgia here Ooh. and so i'm gonna say that my everything is um the family of games colloquially referred to as epic 40k Ooh, okay because that was my jam back in the day like i bought the original adeptus titanicus that was like my second miniatures game mm. after fantasy warriors um and then i got space marine is what it was called at the time right later became epic 40k and played the hell out of that honestly Damn. and that was my introduction to the 40k universe back when it was like a little bit more um obviously satirical right. a little bit more punk rock you know and like um i just i loved all the lore in those books which was when i say all the lore i mean like we're talking a half dozen pages, right. which is the other part of it, yeah. right? Like, you know, you weren't choking on a 200-page lore background before you even get to the rules, you know? And we'll talk about that. We'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah, we will. Lore bloat. <laughs> lore bloat. Oh, that's real, dude. Lore TM. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. No, I mean, uh, again, like you know, keep coming back to this, but like, you know, the games that you, you want to play are the ones that you can rely on to deliver a satisfying and memorable experience consistently. It's not always going to happen, but like four out of five times, maybe, you sure. know? Yeah. And like, I still to this day can remember actual games of space Marine that I played like literally 30 years ago. Jeez. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, just like the, 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 the wildest stuff would happen, you know? And, and um, yeah, cause it, it's like, it's a mass, you know, it's mass battles in, in the 41st millennium. Of course you're going to have wild things happen. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, so um, yeah. So I, I would say that's my everything because honestly, like, you know, it's, it's kind of my, my wargaming happy place. It's, it was a very simple system too. Very, very mm. straightforward. So it, it, I think it, really influenced what I look for in, in any war games rules to this day, you know, fun friction and fast. If I can keep up the alliteration, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is a little bit biting on savage worlds, but whatever. Well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's me. Okay. Oh man. Well, I, okay. So I guess my first 
I think my first miniature war game was actually Frostgrave. Oh, wow. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So miniature war game is actually something very uh, new to me. I've only probably been playing mini war games for three or four years, maybe five tops. So yeah, Frostgrave from Osprey, Joseph McCulloch. Uh, that, that, I think that was my first real exposure to wargaming. If I'm remembering correctly, mm. we'll just say it is. Um, and I loved it. I still love it. Uh, I don't play it anymore um, just because mm. I kind of got over the Frostgrave system. I think really anything involving, a, most things involving a D20, if it's just like the low, num- <laughs> low number bad, high number good, um, mm. I kind of mm. have just left in the dust. It's too swingy for me. Pendragon, obviously the exception to that because there's interesting d20 mechanics but we'll get to that yes. some other time right. uh in the right. pendragon series um right <laughs> <laughs> but yeah frostgrave is great uh, if you don't know what frostgrave is you have a uh, you have a wizard and an apprentice who are kind of your leaders and then you have a smattering of thugs and thieves and uh, barbarians and mm. whatnot and you're basically mm-hmm. going through this frozen city collecting treasure and then getting off the board so it's not really about killing your opponent it's about getting the treasure and getting out uh which i like uh like quite a bit yeah. um but yeah I, I just don't play it anymore because i found greener pastures i suppose that's my first my last well and actually just to tie this in so with Frostgrave, i think i got i haven't played since i ran like a 16 person Frostgrave campaign <laughs> uh, oh my god yeah we had i think it, it lasted way too long it was something like eight weeks or yeah. something like or maybe even 12 it was a long campaign wow yeah and we had you know everybody was 16 people you know this was in like 20 18 or something like that you know 16 people at the game store every tuesday playing multiple games of Frostgrave because uh, it goes fast yeah i had made these battle report sheets that i had everybody fill out and then i would take them home and input all the data into excel yeah so Whoa. at the end of the tournament i had all this crazy data dude it was awesome um, but yeah, it, it was a lot. And so I haven't played since then. Um, wow. but it's still a great game. My last, and I say to tie in because I'm, I'm a big community guy. So my last game was actually our first Warhammer club tournament. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm, uh, one of the big faces of our New Mexico Warhammer club, Battleshock Immune. And when was it? Last Saturday, uh, we had mm-hmm. our first uh, ITC RTT, Rogue Trader Tournament, um, mm. which was great. I ended up doing very badly. I won't talk about that. Uh, <laughs> but Warhammer Age of Sigmar for me is a it's it's probably the game that I pl- it's definitely the game that I play the most. Yeah, I, I don't think that it is by and far a perfect system. I think there's a lot of flaws um, and we'll talk about that yeah. the, when we thrash games workshop. Um, mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, it is what it is. It's still <laughs> during, a very... During our uh, Realm of Fire crossover episode. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, Realm of Fire, by the way. L- uh, good friends of the show. Listen to them. Yeah, um, but out. yeah, even, even though I, I have my issues with the game workshop, like we all do, and I don't think Age of Sigmar 3 is a perfect system, I still think it's a great game. It's really only lacking a few things, I think. Uh, I mean, I, I still have four armies, um, 
And then my everything, I don't know if this is going to surprise you or not, David, but my everything war game is Sharp Practice 2. I had a feeling you were going to say that, yeah. Sharp Practice 2 is a (laughs) a Black Powder era um, historical miniature war game. Uh, And dude, it's got everything. I mean, for me, you know, it's like, random turns you're biting your nails trying to like figure out who's going to get the next activation you don't know uh every movement is tense uh you don't get a static movement you have to roll dice to see how far your guys can move there's random events that just make everything like either funny or like incredibly cinematic and and incredible yeah Man, I just think it's got everything. I, it's it's hard to beat. It's hard to beat Sharp Practice too. And and because it's a historical war game, and the, you know, there's going to be a lot of. I think there's a lot of sci-fi and uh, fantasy war gamers out there who, who who might be listening to this episode. And you know, you might you might kind of wag your finger at historicals or maybe turn your nose up. But I'm telling you, if you've ever <laughs> if you've ever complained about balance issues with GW, you may want to look into a historical <laughs> game because. A, they're not built, they're not really built for tournament practice because of the randomization from everything else, random events, random turn orders, that kind of thing. However, a musket is a musket, a rifle is a rifle, you know, like your factions aren't really getting anything special or unique. They're just, you're just a guy going up against another guy. Um, Yeah, I, I can't recommend that enough. Sharp practice too. And it's, it's pretty easy. I, I would say it's a robust system, but it's it's very easy and it's very fun to play. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah. Awesome. And of course, shout out to David for introducing me to uh, Sharp Practice too. <laughs> well, shout out to you, good sir, for being willing to uh, give it a shot because you were just like, hey, whatever you want, I'll play it. Dude, uh, yeah. always what I want to hear. Yep, so. I will play. I'll play anything. I don't care. Yeah. We, in addition to being human supremacists, we're also game hoes right. or game sluts. <laughs> depends on how you want to put it. But yeah. <laughs> and that's positive. That's a sex positive uh, yes. use of the word. Agree. <laughs> Big. The, the ethical game slut. Right. <laughs> oh, man. That, that should have been the name of our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're trashing this whole episode. Right. <laughs> Welcome, I'm Kenny. Welcome to the Ethical Games Left. So, <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's, it's really good. All right, so um, I think okay, so I, so I, I think we're about to wrap this up. Um, in future episodes, uh, you can look forward to lots of hobby and gaming talk, obviously between David and I, uh, we're going to be talking about all the fun stuff, but we're also going to be talking about, uh, you know, issues facing our community, the games that we're into and how you can get into them. Basically like the gate crasher part of this podcast is, is making gaming accessible. Um, that was like a, that's a big thing for us. Uh, we should probably should have put that at the front of the front of the episode, but, uh, <laughs> that's a big thing for us. We want to make sure that the people who want to play games can and uh and and help you along your path we want to usher you into this hobby because the more people that are in this hobby the better the hobby becomes absolutely and that's role-playing game that's war gaming that's board games that's all of it all of it um you can also expect us to have some interviews have some guests um and of course if you're using the anchor app to listen to us uh listener interactions and that kind of thing 
David, is there anything you want to add before we wrap this episode up? Well, uh, you can find us on Twitter at GatecrasherPod, um, obviously on the Anchor app or anywhere else you find your favorite podcasts mm-hmm. through our RSS feed. Um, and um, I guess I'll just throw in an extra plug for um, my actual play podcast, which yes. Kenny, you are a part of as well. The Esoteric Order of Role Players. So if this is our theory podcast, the EOR is our practice, mm-hmm. um, as well as, uh, you know, uh, our YouTube channel that will be getting going at some point that will have um, <laughs> you know more content for miniatures wargaming as well since that's more of a visual medium yes. um, obviously it kind of wants to live over on YouTube instead so uh, by all means you know do check out if you're you know interested in like how we play games and not just how we talk about games um, those are some uh, you know um, directions some avenues you can explore and we'll have links for that in the show notes yeah love it Okay, David, thank you for an incredible first episode. I'm very happy. I'm very excited. I hope our listeners at home or on the road or wherever you are are excited for future episodes as well. Yeah, I can't wait. All right. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.